Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I have been friends for a very long time at WGN. Yeah, we started here in the 90s. I produced Bob Collins and Roy Leonard. And I produced Spike and Cochran. So we spent our 20s as wing women for each other, and it didn't work out very well. But then it did, and we found the right guys, and we stood up in each other's weddings. And then we had babies within weeks of each other, and we went from producers to reproducers. We make it look easy. Which brings us to this podcast. We want to talk about topics that intrigue us and you and provide some knowledge to other average parents. We're average. We're not experts. So we'll tackle these topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we get the experts. And I fully expect to embarrass myself along the way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we already have. So welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody's Apparently, I think all parents need to go back to school and learn how to behave at sporting events of their kids. I mean, I really think that parents need to have a timeout and, and be put into timeout and think about how their what their behavior, how it's affecting our kids. So this is a topic that I've heard a lot about, and, and it's weird, and it might be a city versus suburban thing. It might be a boy versus girl thing. My girls play soccer and volleyball, but they play at Neighborhood Boys and Girls Club. They play at CPS, Chicago Public Schools, and the parents that I've witnessed are very quiet. Oh, maybe it is a suburban thing. It might be. <laughs> and I, I can tell you, even with the Neighborhood Boys and Girls Clubs, I hope my daughter doesn't listen to this. Most of us sit in our cars and watch the, the soccer games from our cars because the, the weather's so bad. Like, oh, I'm not getting out. Oh, hell no. That's <laughs> not what's happening in the suburbs. Because, well, there's an article which made me think about this was that all this bad behavior is actually causing problems in youth sports for them to find officials to, to stand behind home plate. So, you know, Ethan plays ba- baseball, basketball. Uh, soccer, mm-hmm. uh, all through park district or, you know, travel clubs and stuff. And um, it, baseball's in full swing right now. And so I'm sitting two or three days a week at a b- baseball diamond watching Ethan play. And I'm also witnessing bad behavior. Like what? <laughs> Tell, give me an example. Oh, they don't like the call. Um, you know, some of these kids are 12 years old. Behind, You can be as young as uh, sixth grade, 12 years old. Behind home plate. To be a referee or an ump? Yes, in baseball. Wow. And I have friends who, um, their kids are already, you know, Kate's age, that are already their first job. It's $25 a game. That's That's, great money. It's great money. And if you love sports and you love doing it, it's it's like a win-win because you're making money and you're doing and you're playing and and being part of something that you already like. Right. So uh, coaches don't like uh, a call. Mm-hmm. Whether it's uh, that's a that strike that's not a strike zone, or um, they don't like a call at first base, like if they're safe and uh, I'm laughing because last week I went to my nephew's baseball game and I don't go to the, all of them, but I'm sitting there and it's a very tight knit group because they actually get out of their cars and um, <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there and I was about 700 feet away from anything and could not see a thing, but he got called out on a strike and I was like. That was low and outside. We want a picture, not a belly. Anyway, everyone you turned. You did that? Yes, because I thought it was funny. And everyone turned oh. at me and they're like, I got the death stare. And 
I thought that's what parents did at games. Well, in the <laughs> suburbs, they do, I guess. I was reading somewhere that 80% of high school officials are quitting before their third year of officiating. Like, because these kids are not making enough money right. to make it worth the, the turmoil and the battery of insults and yelling. I've, it, this, this is embarrassing, but at our rec center, a police officer was called to a basketball game for an elementary school basketball game at a park district i mean the thing about all this is and i tell my husband this all the time it's like ethan is not going to the olympics right he's not going to play in college ethan don't listen to this (laughs) so it's really just it's just so funny that this is happening and it's too bad like in in fact out in the suburbs um they don't have enough people uh to ump the games and so they're doing double duty not only there should be somebody behind the plate and then out in the outfield to call like safe and whatever those plays. And they're just having one person behind the plate. Oh, then you can't see anything from there. Yeah, it's it's really sad. So I thought that it would be interesting to talk about this topic and maybe bring in somebody because, you know, we don't know what the hell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't know any better. We don't so. know anything. So I thought it would be interesting to bring in um, an expert. All right, cool. Let's bring him in. So to talk about this topic, uh, we called Dr. Bruce Savari, a psychology professor at State University of New York, Albany, and he's also an author of a book called Reforming Sports Before the Clock Runs Out. Bruce, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. So I was reading about your book, and it looks like your book is kind of part memoir, part um, kind of investigating the problem here uh, of what's happening. Why do you think this is happening in youth sports these days? Well, I I think that uh, what it really comes down to is that our expectations for young kids in sports are really unrealistic. They're developmentally inappropriate, and they're really not meeting uh, the needs of kids to have fun and enjoy themselves. Um, a lot of times we're using uh, what I would call professional sports models uh, that are heavily invested in competition and winning, And uh, for lack of a better expression, we're we're trying to jam them down the throats of our kids. And I think that there's just so much pressure on now uh, kids uh, uh, at a very young age uh, to win, to compete, to get better, to specialize uh, in a sport that we're really taking all the fun uh, away from them. And I think that it's uh, adults that are doing it. And uh, I think that Until we kind of back up and take a look at this uh, completely from the perspective of a young child who just wants to have fun, wants to have a good time, wants to participate, learn something about the game, learn the skills, learn about ethics and sportsmanship, Uh, until we get that through our heads, the heads of of parents, then we're going to continue to see the kind of things that you have described, which take place on every baseball field, hockey rink, uh, basketball court uh, in the country today uh, uh, with young kids. You know, I heard a coach once say that he would only continue coaching if he did it in an orphanage. And, uh, with no parents? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, you know, that's a sad commentary on, on how bad things have gotten. But, you know, there's a definite conflict there between what a parent wants to get out of 
uh, youth sports for their child and what a child wants. Well, Dr. Safari, one of the things you said, um, quoted, this is back in 2006, but you, you talked about what you just said. Essentially, kids need to have fun, participate, and learn skills. Yep. And you said these should always trump the desire to win when we're talking about youth sports, but adults, coaches, league administrators, etc., won't let this happen because their own needs get in the way. What are the needs of the adults? What the heck? Well, I think the needs of the adults, they, they, they run at a number of different levels. Uh, one is an investment in their child uh, to get better and potentially compete for a scholarship, uh, uh, an athletic scholarship in college, um, maybe even make it to the pros. Uh, for some uh, parents, sadly, it's about maybe their own uh, misspent youth. Yeah, that's what I think happens a lot. I, I think that that's uh, also part of it. Um, but uh, it's this this obsession, really, with competition and winning that I think uh, has just uh, taken over. And um, unfortunately, with a lot of the organizations that are out there now, um, uh, youth, uh, baseball, basketball, football, hockey. You know, there's some really good people that are involved in these organizations, but unfortunately they get overwhelmed by uh, the parents who have other other goals uh, in mind. And they start making decisions that are that are more about, you know, competition and winning as opposed to just, you know, making sure that the kids have a good time. Yeah, and play with their friends. Participate. I mean, you ask any kid, a real young kid, at the, uh, you know, maybe a few months after, they've, after their sports team uh, has ended their season, how many wins they had. They don't know. But what they will tell you is whether or not they had fun and, and whether or not they played instead of sitting on the bench. Um, that's Agreed. What, that's what really means something to them uh, at that age. It's not about winning. I mean, they forget about the game, you know, less than an hour later. So are there coaches out there who are not playing some of their players? Oh, oh yeah. Are you kidding? Wait, you can't sign time. up and not play. What? Oh, my gosh, in the playoffs? Are you kidding me? <laughs> that happens. There's people that there's a dynamic with, like, the pitching rotation. And I've had people where I actually witnessed – um, doctor, a basketball game in the, this was, Ethan was in second grade, okay. second grade. So we're talking about He's you eight. are seven or eight years old and there were girls cause it was still co-ed and the girls were on the bench. Oh. I literally was outside my skin about it because it was very obvious what was happening and they weren't being rotated in during, cause a lot of times park districts give like this grid that you can use like an expulsion spreadsheet to take the science out of like knowing when to substitute people it will just you put everyone's names in and boom it spits out like when you need to take them in and out to make sure everyone gets equal playing time that sounds well, right and it's great we used it all the time because doug was a coach this coach was not doing that and i literally was gonna i was gonna be that parent actually shouting down saying this is ridiculous like do these people think that they're gonna like go to the olympics or like well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's that's part of the problem. I mean, they don't, the parents don't really understand how remote it is for a, it's like winning the lottery. If you have a child that makes it as far as a Division One scholarship or, or picks up a, a paycheck uh, in the pros, I mean, it's just uh, infinitesimal, um, the, the chances of doing that. And I'll go one step further. 
you know, by an order of about 20 to 1, there's a lot more money available for academic scholarships in college uh, than athletic scholarships. Wow. But that's not something that seems to um, sink in, you know, with, with parents. Uh, and, again, it's because our sports culture right now at the youth level is just so pressurized, and we need to really take that pressure off. Um, in one of the articles we read, um, you mentioned that it's drastically different today than it was 10 or 15 years ago. And I thought it was bad then. Is it because of the cost of college? I think that's part of it. I absolutely think that that's part of it. Um, and I think that parents see that as a way of, of lessening their uh, or improving their finances in terms of what they're investing in their child with all these select teams, travel teams, elite teams that they can play on and all the money that they fork over for that. Uh, that's what I think is a big thing. Cause it, so my daughter's in travel soccer. It was $700. For eight weeks. What? Yeah. I think that, well, and I just, I talk about this with all the moms in my neighborhood all the time that have three or four kids. How can you afford to put three or four kids in a sport, especially even a travel sport? Because as they get older, the amount of teams that you can play on gets smaller because I've also seen specialization where people just decide, I'm just going to play well, straight a, baseball. that's a whole nother destructive part of all this, but but let me mention just a couple of things here. Two really critical findings in uh, the youth sports uh, area as far as the research that goes on. You know, in spite of this epidemic of, of obesity in our country, you know, 70% of kids abandon sports by the age of 13. And the principal reason that they give is that they just aren't having fun. And they're not having fun because that winnowing out process has started to occur very, very early. It's occurring even earlier now. Let's find the best kids in our community and let's compete against the best kids in another community that's 10 minutes away from us. And in my mind, that's that's absolutely destructive. And the reason why it's destructive is this. You know, first of all, specializing in a sport in order to get good at it, something that I call the, the Tiger Woods syndrome, uh, is is uh, a falsehood. Uh, Tiger Woods had a special set of skills. Uh, he he probably could have waited till he was ten or fifteen years of age before uh, picking up a golf club. Early success in a sport prior to puberty does not predict later success in that sport. That's a well-known finding in this area. So kids who can't walk and chew gum in the 5th and 6th, 7th grade, all of a sudden they go through a growth spurt, and they become the, the best kid out there as a freshman and sophomore in terms of their basketball skills where they couldn't even dribble a ball when they were in the 3rd, 4th, and 5th grade. So... Uh, again, those are those are myths that drive parents to push kids uh, into youth sports, and it's it's so easy I've to fall into about it. These things for a long time, and it just believe me, it just doesn't sink in. We all see. I I see that, but I still see people falling prey to that all the time. <laughs> I mean, I I don't do it. And a lot of it is because of what happens with your neighbor and what happens with your friends. Exactly. And and, and you know, it's keeping up with the Joneses and pressure to like keep up with what everyone else is doing and and specializing is uh that that in and of itself is you know a fascinating topic and and one that 
I, in particular, uh, have been very concerned with uh, for a long period of time. Yeah, I talked to a doctor a few years ago who said that this specialization is actually leading to injury and that the kids who play multiple sports are more averse to injury. That's absolutely correct. And why is that? Because they're not using all their muscles? That's correct, yeah. They're, they're overusing certain muscle sets, and um, it's, it's, it's leading to all these vulnerabilities in terms of fractures and um, you know, take the the sport of baseball, for example, where you're seeing this rash of uh, uh, tendon injuries in young kids that are pitchers. Uh, and it's because they're pitching like nine, ten months out of the year because they're playing on, you know, three or four different teams, sometimes simultaneously. And no one's really keeping track of, of uh, pitch count. They're, they're yeah. pitching and pitch counts and so on. They've gotten a little bit better at that. But Still, it's a, you walk into the office of any uh, um, person who's involved in physical therapy or walk into a, a person who's in the field of um, uh, uh, dealing uh, with these kids and their, and their injuries, any medical professional, and they'll tell you that, that it has just escalated enormously in the last 10 or 20 years. So it's, it's a real phenomenon. So all this bad behavior, like at the baseball diamond or the soccer field or at, at the basketball rec center, is having a negative effect on getting these um, getting OMSR officials to monitor yeah. the game. So how can we solve the problem? Well, I mean, how do you fix it? Yeah, yeah. Here's how you fix it. You you got to take the pressure off of of winning and one loss records and and so on. It it really doesn't amount to anything at real young ages. You know, the parents keep track of things, but the the kids don't really keep track of things. You know, there's a model. There's a model that's being used more and more. Something that's called the recess model. And for for young kids, it's Again, it's more about participating. And if you can remember, I can remember back in, in uh, my uh, youth days, and I think that I'm probably a little bit older than, than the two of you, but, you know, I remember more about those games that I played uh, on on vacant fields or in the driveway of some of my friends. The sandlot with no grown-ups. I remember more about that than I do about the organized sports uh, that I played. You know, we, we made up the teams. We uh, made up the rules. Uh, we had uh, enormous fun uh, uh, playing, and sometimes we would play all day long. And you problem solve, you uh, learn. There were no parents involved. Yep. Uh, and it was the best schooling that I could ever possibly have in terms of, of sports. Now, Things are so organized and so over-organized. You know, walk by these pristine little league fields um, uh, now, and and you know, it's it's incre- It's like being at Disneyland in terms of its degree of organization. So some of that is good, but you know, there are other parts of it that aren't so good when the, when the emphasis upon winning has, has become so great. So. I read somewhere, too, that social media is fueling the problem because a call that is made is a call that is made, and it stands because the referee has said what it is. But someone's shooting a video and then posts it, and then the parents chew on that for days and days and days, and they get all frothy. Um, is that something you've taken into account, or is that something you've noticed? Well, I think that that certainly plays uh, you know, a role in, in all of it. Um, that, that news travels around more and those 
in those circles, and it gets uh, parents uh, even more uh, hopped up about you know certain situations uh, that have occurred. But again, I I think a lot of this is due to this incredible imbalance between between this conflict, really, between parents and what their needs are and kids and what their needs are. And sadly, we've come down in favor of parents in terms of their needs. And we're, we are not serving our kids well in terms of having programs, uh, youth programs that are designed uh, to enhance their skills, to teach them, you know, about character and ethics and so on in sports, to participate, learn, you know, good habits in terms of uh, the kinds of skills that are being taught. And again, the last thing should be, you know, win-loss records. Well, isn't that like the mission of the YMCA or park districts? The whole point is to raise and give experiences to kids that is a positive, fun, collaborative learning team spirit all that kind of stuff and it's like some of these coaches i say dads because a lot of them a lot of them are but that they they sit on the sidelines and like their record is attached to their reputation or something like that like that who they are is dependent and hinged on what what their season record is and it's so crazy i see kids crying this is so sad to admit and i'm sure this happens everywhere so i'm not trying to out where i live but literally i see kids on on the baseball diamond who are crying because people are yelling at them or at soccer games that are yelling at them whether it's their parents and it's like this is not good yeah i i i agree with you and i you know again i come at this from the angle of I, I think sports are absolutely wonderful. I mean, I am a total sports enthusiast. I think that it, they can be life-changing for people. And uh, the, the problem is that the models that we use for young kids uh, are, are really for adults. They overemphasize strategy. They overemphasize winning. Uh, it's got to be, instead, fun and participation. Uh, and skill development and all those those kinds of things. But here's here's how you judge a good youth sports program. It's how it treats its least talented players. That's who I was, by the way. It, it's not how it treats its travel team players and its elite players. And Amen. Because so what happens is that those kids, as time goes on and it's starting earlier and earlier, those kids get the bulk of the resources, meaning the playing playing fields, the good coaching, and, and so on. So we're making decisions at such an early time about who's good and who's not good. And again, well before the time of puberty, when we should just be emphasizing you know, participation in, in skill development. So for people that are in the field, we talk about this thing, the power of the permit. You know, a lot of these programs wouldn't exist uh, in towns if the town didn't grant uh, these organizations permits to use their their property, mm-hmm. to use town property. You know, if if that program is not one that uh, that everyone is getting a fair shake of, of the resources, and that your least talented players are being treated as well as your most talented players, then that town should not grant the permit for that organization to use a facility, let's say it's a playing field or a basketball court. 
those are the kinds of things that need to happen at the local level uh, in order to bring this thing back to some level uh, of sanity. And quite frankly, yeah, parents have to get involved with these organizations and start espousing these really important values about sports that oftentimes are in direct contrast or conflict to uh, winning and and competition. So parents don't have to be quiet and sit on the sidelines. What they need to do is be loud in their advocacy for better playing and and better treatment of the players. Yes, you nailed it. Absolutely, yes. Now, I have a question for you because I want to stand up for some of the mama bears out there. Um, I put on social media that we were going to talk about this, and one of my friends has sons who play hockey and lacrosse, and she says, they're not enough qualified referees, which is a problem. Aside from knowing and enforcing the rules, we rely on the refs to keep our children safe in these high-impact sports. So it can be very frustrating to see the job done poorly, and it does make me a mama bear. Is that a valid point? If we've got, if we've got ref, if there's a shortage of referees and the kids are going out there and they're 12, making, you know, they're 20 five dollars is it is it true that they could be not qualified uh you know i think that that happens uh a fair amount i think that again it's something that we've got better at in terms of the training of officials and the training of referees but if these organizations don't take the bull by the horn and say hey we have zero tolerance for a parent going after a referee or a parent going after a coach or a coach going after a referee, or a coach going after another coach. If we if we don't have zero tolerance for that, then then we lose the battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's what happens. A lot of organizations cave in, and they're not willing to say to parents, "Hey, look, take a hike. You're not doing uh, the kind of job that we want to be done in our organization. So you know, go find another organization." And there's not enough of that, that that's being done. So again, it's a parental thing. It's uh, it's adult. It's an adult thing. Adults aren't really doing the kind of job that they should be doing. In uh, in my son's little league um, program, like I said, the person behind home plate, the ump, is a young kid. And I just like two games ago, there was a guy, and I didn't know who it was that was sitting at in the stands because he didn't. I I knew all the kids on the team, and I found out that he was the dad of the ump behind the plate watching and so i started asking him questions about it and i found out that oftentimes for the kids that are behind the plate because they are like middle school age kids just earning a buck and you know trying to have fun that the parents are there to monitor and make sure that everything goes okay mm-hmm. and that i mean can you imagine how many hours of and then the kid also plays sports half the time is on their own team so that parent is sitting watching and monitoring a lot of baseball. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the problem to me is, uh, you know, we've been spineless in, in a lot of ways in terms of trying to curb uh, a lot of these terrible behaviors that we've seen, while, while at the same time we're not doing enough to actually professionalize officiating more, uh, even at the youth level, you know, give, give kids these 7th and 8th graders and freshmen and sophomores in, in high school that are umpiring a lot of these games, give them give them a lot of good training mm-hmm. before we allow them to to uh, officiate these games. But, you know, it's a, it's a concerted effort, and none of this is easy, but it really requires more of an investment 
on the part of uh, of adults to take the bull by the horns and start doing a lot of these things that they they should have been doing a long time ago, but have kind of in some cases they've kind of given up uh, because uh, these other people who are much more invested in competition and winning tend to to take over the reins of a lot of these organizations and it's been, it's been disastrous. It's like it goes back to bullying. It's just, you know, that bully parent who runs the show and the rest of us are afraid to step up. Yeah. We've lost our way. I mean, summer baseball, like, it should be fun. Oh, yeah. What can be better than, than watching uh, youth participate in any, in any sport and just being there on the sidelines to support them? Uh, there's nothing better than that. I wish that I was back there with my own kids because it was so much fun. Uh, and... Uh, you know, it just takes a, a few people, uh, unfortunately, to spoil the to spoil the that whole uh, nice um, feel good atmosphere. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, I think you'd be welcome at Tracy's Baseball Diamond anytime. <laughs> so anytime you're in the Chicago area, please let us know, and we'll we'll bring you and sit next to you. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's a nice invitation. Maybe I'll take that upon that. Thank you so much, Doctor Savari. I appreciate your time. I do too. Uh, it was it was a pleasure. Thank you very much, Dr. Bruce Fari, psychology professor at State University of New York at Albany, and author of the book "Reforming Sports Before the Clock Runs Out." Hopefully, the clock hasn't run out on That's my right. son's little league. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, great information. I need to confess something because again, this is sort of not my game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yesterday, my Hannah, my nine-year-old, did Girls on the Run. And you and I have talked about that. It's a great organization that teaches girls to work together and positive yeah. self-image. And, and so they had a 5K yesterday. And um, I'm standing there. I'm not a runner. And I was watching her. And as she's rounding the corner, and there are some like other kids who are like cutting across the lawn a little bit. And I want to be like... Don't cut. (laughs) Obey the rules. (laughs) Because I was like, don't cheat. I was like, I got like all sweaty. It's so easy to fall into that trap, isn't it? I totally did. I mean, I'll be honest. I I have shouted at games like, Ethan, baseball ready. Or like, Kate, heads up. (laughs) Stop dancing. No (laughs) cartwheels. When they're young, you know, when when Ethan was in kindergarten and there's already Little League, you know, there's kids picking their nose out in the outfield. They're like doing, you know, somersaults. They're just farting around. They are totally not baseball ready or paying attention whatsoever. But that's probably developmentally appropriate. I have a photo in my bedroom of Kate and Sophie at Little Kickers. Oh, my gosh. And Kate is like pretty game. She's ready to go. And Sophie is wearing every piece of jewelry she could find. (laughs) With like a bow in her hair and looking at me like she looked real pretty. She shook, and she was like looking at me like, "Why soccer, mom? Why soccer?" <laughs> and it has not changed. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So I might post that picture with this podcast. Oh, that's a doozy. <laughs> with her permission, of course. Oh, yeah. I'll have to ask. <laughs> so I think we just put ourselves in a timeout just now, and we'll we'll collect our thoughts so that when we're at Girls on the Run next time or at a baseball game. <laughs> We, we can check ourselves at the door and know that, hey, that is not what the kids are supposed to be doing right now. And it's all about having fun. So if anything out of this whole conversation was about just let the kids have fun. Right. And, and it's not about us. It's not our needs. Yes. It's them. I'm not reliving high school over again, even though I wasn't an athlete in high school. But <laughs> yeah, neither was I. <laughs> 
but but and they are not mini me's and they're not they're not reflections of us yes they are themselves just let them have fun yeah so i'm tracy weiner and i'm ann johnsos thanks for listening to apparently we make it look easy we make it look good.